Welcome back to the Green Data Center podcast. There has been a lot happening since the last recording of the Green Data Center podcast, about 11 months, not quite a year. And we'll try to catch up on some of those major items, whether it's on the business side and the mergers and acquisitions, or on the technology side. We're also going to go through some of the latest rewards that have been released and see what might be coming up for the new year as well. This podcast is still available on Amazon Music, iTunes, and all the other places that you get your podcasts. So feel free to reach out if you're not getting it and let us know if there's any place that you'd like to have it that you're not seeing it quite yet. And of course, it's on the website at greendatacenterguide.com. Well, since last we left off, let's jump right into AI. Yes, it's the favorite two letters of the data center industry over the last year, and it continues to grow. There are more platforms available now using AI and having AI as a resource to support any industry almost. It's being applied everywhere. Some of the top places are where people are making decisions, and that's getting enough information where it can aggregate into a single decision, such as buying stocks. So there's all sorts of AI trading platforms that have got up to speed and are using not just the latest version of ChatGPT, but are very focused on everything within certain stock portfolios and industries. Now, using AI trading platforms as sort of a, an analogy for across all sorts of industries, there are AIs that are used to make insights and predictions while all sorts of others are doing research for you. And yet more are just looking at certain very specific investment processes. Now, if you look at that just for the trading industry on stocks, bonds, etc., and you start to extrapolate that across every sort of industry that you might be able to name, and suddenly you get the idea of how many AI platforms there might be out there and whether there's sort of a base to a platform that's being applied as it just keeps growing day after day. Now, leveraging that AI, of course, being a user, you can start to see some of those numbers start to pop out and just even looking at where is this headed? What's that prediction model even saying? What's this going to be in 2024? Now, while AI might be able to fetch a bunch of reports and give some numbers out, it's actually uh, a lot of it's done by people. They still have to go through and do that research, make sure that it really makes sense, vet it and sift through it even though like an AI model might be able to put a lot of it together, before you get any of those numbers that you can trust, you really need people behind that to understand where the numbers are coming from and make sure that that aggregation isn't pulling from weird sources or that it's just kind of entirely fictional. Now, the aggregate amount that's being pulled from all these articles looks like in 2024, the AI market is going to pass 500 billion. That's half a trillion dollar mark in 2024. We don't know when that's going to be, whether that's going to be March, June, August, maybe one year from now, that's when it's going to hit. But the idea is it's surging fast. And if you haven't seen the plethora of names of AIs out there, that's where a lot of it is starting to pour in from. Now, what does this mean on actual revenue generation? Well, if you can get an AI to have a lot of customers that are on that platform and using it, even if it's free to start, 
or if it's business oriented, which is mostly the audiences that they're aiming for, you're looking at a 10 to 20% overall percentage year over year of growth. And that's going to be pretty huge overall on the stability in that market, meaning that it's not going anywhere and is likely to just keep growing that way year over year from now until 2020, 30 or beyond. Now, there's some skepticism, of course, for that, but I'm very bullish on all of this, just because if you look at how AI can start to transform how we're doing a lot of things across the industries, and we're talking healthcare, education, entertainment, transportation, it's not just somebody plugging in and say, hey, give me something new to listen to. This is how do we transformatively change how the healthcare system is done or education to help in a lot of different factors or, or areas. And if we start to leverage AI intelligently across all these different platforms, that's where we're really going to see a surge in the amount that we're going to see from AI, but the benefits are going to be compounded from it. So it seems the businesses know this, and if we're looking at how that's leveraged, we're seeing how that's going to be applied for improving, you know, look at the quality of life that you're looking at day to day. So it's not just give me the latest cat video, of course, it is how do we look at my day? How do I optimize my day, my week, my month? Am I doing the right things with my time? Or how about this facility? Is this facility laid out in the best way? or the most industrious way possible? Or what about this process? Please examine this process with this schedule and see if there's any improvements that can be done. All of that and businesses leveraging that for what they're doing day to day is going to be helping that. And I think that there's a lot of the people out there that are very intelligently looking at this and plugging that in to get the best processes for their businesses out there. All right, well, what does that mean for a green data center? How do we make it more efficient? How does that layout start to look like, especially if you're feeding all this computer-aided design information or Revit or wherever the platform is into a model that can start to optimize how the data center facility is laid out? Then we can start to look at how is the energy performance maybe on that new layout? How does that look? What are the equipment choices that need to be made in order to really make this data center more efficient? And that's not just a new data center. That's not starting out from scratch. What do we have with existing data centers that we can really start to say, here's our 20 year old data center, here's where it's looking like now. What do we need to change in order to really make this progress into the future as a futuristic data center that's going to last another 20 years or three times that long? And now you might expect that AI to go ahead and kick out everything, all the answers and give you an entirely new design, but you're really going to have to have all the engineers and architects behind it making sure that all that can be done or is this just nonsense that we're just not there quite yet we don't have the model completely built for it yet and we need to go back and maybe process a lot more information before we make some of those choices and of course you can factor in the cost or schedule or keeping existing customers up while you're doing say ups replacements or upgrades or any other system updates and making sure that that can all happen I don't think we have those large models really built out in that that specific space quite yet. But instead, for a green data center, I would be looking for what's it been doing on the efficiency side. Plug in that everything that you might get from a DSIM, your data center infrastructure management system, on the power, on the cooling use, all of your energy from the utility all the way down, and see how it might look at and help optimize, say, with your different cooling aspects or your airflow management across the data center.
I'd hope that your first reaction would be, well, we're already doing that. Yeah, that's great. But let's go ahead and add an AI in there and see what it can figure out. Maybe it comes up with something new. And as it comes up with something new, maybe that's, again, where the people come in and say, yes, this has been tried and done, or we're already doing this, or this was too risky for us to do. We're not ramping up the temperature of this data center to 95 degrees on our supply air temperature. I don't think many will be doing that right off the bat. But maybe we take the next suggestions from the AI and start to implement those on top. One of those other things is lead and other standards that are coming out. So if you're looking to have your data center be lead certified or lead certifiable, or you are looking at the new EU standards or other codes of conduct or anything out there, you can start to apply that for what your data center has. What do we need to do to make sure that we're meeting those compliance measures and suddenly an AI can start to say here's what you need to do here's the minimums here's how you specifically for your facility or your entire group of facilities can start to look at optimizing to meet those standards with most facilities you're generally not doing that because you you've already had it built it's already there but there are new standards you're going to have to comply with especially as you start to retrofit or new customers come in. And what does that mean for your data center? Well, you throw an AI over top of that to ask a few questions to start, and you can get sort of those code enforcement items that will be specific to your data center, your country, your location. And ideally, you'll be able to just kick that out and have a good roadmap for your future. And you can start to, again, overlay those costs, schedule, before you can get back to your customer and tell them, yes, we can go ahead and support everything that you're looking to do. You can start to say, here's a few improvements or a few things that we need to do in order to make sure that that can happen. All right, let's take a little bit of a break, and then we'll dive into the next section about the business and some mergers and acquisitions and some of those aspects just generally in the industry this year. been a lot of movement in the data center industry, a lot of investment, a lot of mergers and acquisitions, and all sorts of different things, new innovations, new products out there over the last year. And what I'd like to start out with is, hey, there's a lot of facilities that seem to be coming online for sale, and it seems to be a lot more popular these days. It's getting more and more out there. Where facilities before used to be, well, we have this older facility, we're not sure who might buy it, and it's a data center because the data center market has been so hot a lot of people or brokers that are in the space instead of just selling off the facility as hey here's something that can be you know an industrial facility maybe something industrial can be done with it maybe data center maybe not it's hitting the data center market and being put up for sale 
and it's getting a lot more popular traction that way. All that's well and good, except a lot of these facilities were designed and built around that dot bomb era. If you recall, uh, late 1990s to the early 2000s, and they were designed in a way that was meant to be very robust in that two end sort of arrangement for a lot of these facilities that are coming online. However, this was before Uptime Institute really came out with their standards and what we think of as tier four. This two end arrangement does not meet tier four. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even meet tier three. Why? Because there is a single point of failure in a lot of these setups. And it might be with a certain amount of switch gear and the arrangement there, or how the piping is done. They might just have a single point of failure across the, the piping or the, the headers or the pumps. Whatever the arrangement might be, that tends to be not meeting that N plus one standard that we're so used to today. Because of that, a lot of these facilities seem to be coming online and saying, well, somebody's got to do some significant improvements in order to bring this online as a data center facility again and modernize it. And that means you're going to have to sink a lot of money into it. Who's up for it? Maybe they already have the connectivity, the fiber, and maybe there's already power allocation. And people are just looking for that in order to bring on even you know a couple megawatts of uh, capacity for a particular customer. And it might not be their market that they want to be in, but they're just looking for power and space. And here is something that might suffice for that. And that's where the real estate brokers, etc., are hoping to entice more of those data center owners or investment in order to pick up these facilities that are, again, 20, 25 years old and need some considerable retrofits in order to make them viable. So we are seeing a bunch of that, and that might suffice for, say, even an AI environment where it doesn't need to be super robust, doesn't need everything to be 2N or even N plus 1 in some, some considerations. Uh, but, you know, again, that remains to be seen how that's going to marry up quite yet. And I think a lot of uh, engineers, architects are very skeptical about just going ahead and doing that, as well as the owners or anyone that's operating a data center is already poking holes in some of these facilities that are that old. But they are out there and they might be just picked up for those type of uh, more risky sort of AI that just needs that power and space. All right. Uh, let's move on to one of the mergers and acquisitions, or let's look at one of the big firms has been doing a lot of that, and that's Brookfield. Uh, Brookfield has uh, several data center companies that they've invested in over the last several years. And if you don't know them, they are a huge investment uh, group, and they've got a lot of things that they were invested in, and now they're branching out into data centers in a big way over the last five years or so. And if you want to think of them as investing in large infrastructure projects, say hydroelectric dams or big transportation projects, those kinds of things, that's what they're known for investing in because it's nice and safe. The returns are pretty even and growing usually. Now in the data center space, it's the same type of thing. Now we have these facilities that they're looking to, to bring online or to invest in. And that's where they're looking to make even faster dollars over a shorter amount of time. And Brookfield, in the past, has owned several data center firms, including DCI data centers in APAC, Evoke Data Center Solutions, that happens to be in the North America branch, as well as Ascenti, which has been their Latin American branch for data center expansion. And now, in 2023, we've seen 
that grow to be Data4 and EMEA. They took over as well as Compass Data Centers earlier in 2023. And now they're helping out Evoke with the purchase of Sixterra data centers, which, of course, with CenturyLink's old data centers, if you want to think back in the, the days when a lot of these telecoms had data centers, well, that spun off into Sixterra, and that has since reached their third bankruptcy and now is being brought out of bankruptcy by being mostly taken over by investment from Brookfield, which will roll that into, it looks like it's going to be rolled into the Evoke data center solutions team. This will mean that there'll be a large North American data center uh, investment in, in Evoke and Sixterra on one side, which is the co-location side of things. And the other one is Compass data centers, which was a huge investment by Brookfield again. Uh, earlier in 2023, before the Sixterra um, buyout. Now, the Compass purchase was a really good move. Compass was um, looking to basically offload or, or have somebody else to kind of take over as far as that investment. And Chris Crosby has done a fantastic job of navigating all of that. Of course, everyone loves the culture there um, and so on. And Compass uh, being having Brookfield as that investor taking over as the, the main owner has allowed them to go ahead and just continue on their same trajectory, the path that they've been on. And that has been a lot of those different builds that they keep doing specific for certain owners. Meanwhile, the Evoke uh, and Sixterra play has been mostly as a a co-location company with some older data centers has been to say go after some of those enterprise customers that they've always been after and it's looking at those larger customers but not too large where they've been able to really take off in the in those markets and stay steady across the United States now this 775 million dollar uh, investment by Brookfield in Sixterra to own them or own most of them I should say is very surgical it seems it's not just buying the entire company out it seems very much like buying seven facilities in one way and then looking at the leases over here and then looking what can be spun off or taken over by different groups so if you read everything that's looking at that brookfield seems to be the main negotiator with uh, digital realty which was owning a lot of those leased assets so six Terra was leasing from digital realty assets Brookfield seems to have stepped in and been sort of that negotiator to figure out what could be done for taking over those leases or moving them or taking over the facilities, as well as the company itself, the personnel, some of their intellectual property, all of those different items. They look to have negotiated all of that and figured out exactly what they wanted and then spun out or figured out a way to sort of, hey, here's the things that we don't want and spin that out so that all the investors, everybody would be satisfied to a degree um, so that this deal could be put together. Brookfield isn't the only one that's been investing heavily in the space. Blackstone, of course, um, who has purchased QTS is using that to go ahead and invest billions of dollars into data center opportunities. Uh, a lot that's happening looks to be like in Atlanta and it looks to be billions as in 8 billion overall in their data centers. But it might be mostly targeting, looking at those hyperscalers and making sure that that can work out for them. So it might be like $1 billion at a time. Yeah, just chump change entering at the time. 
but uh, they are doing a lot with that and it looks to be very committed with their investors especially as they're targeting that AI boom that's been happening. There are, of course, a ton of other wheelings and dealings on other data centers by investors or uh, data center companies, you know, Carissa, or you look at Data Bank in France selling off a bunch of data centers, etc. And it looks like there's a lot that just keeps happening. And we'll probably see some more moves here in late 2023 and Q1 to Q2 of 24. So we'll keep an eye out for that, but let's take another break. It is award season, and there are several different awards groups uh, I will mention two here. One is Data Center Dynamics, and they have several different awards, such as the Environmental Impact and Energy Impact Awards that I like to see, and they've gave their short list out, so let's go through that real quick. Let's start with the Energy Impact Award, and this is different because it's different than the Environmental Impact, and there's a couple reasons for that. The energy, of course, is focused around the amount of energy savings and the innovative ways in which they're conserving energy or they're reusing energy. And there's two of these projects uh, that are in uh, the um, Scandinavia that uh, are doing heat reuse where it really makes sense. And that's uh, Canepto in uh, Stockholm and that's one of those heat reuse projects. And it's to the north. and basically it is one of those where they have that low grade that low temperature that they're using but they're also hyping that up and being able to use that across their district heating system the other one is by stack infrastructure and it's the ramia based one um, so it's in oslo and it's essentially at a city-wide uh the heating scale so essentially it's again using that low grade temperature off the data center and going ahead and reusing it for their district heating system also in that category you've got chin data group which has their mountain energy and uh, their IT industrial campus and then Cerabyte which basically is a cold storage and what's really nice about this is is low cost low energy and it's a permanent storage solution. So they're looking to say, hey, you want your data stored long-term cold storage, this is it. We're putting it there and then once it's done, we're sort of forgetting about it. We're turning it off, essentially. So it is true cold storage in that way. And of course, it doesn't mean it's not accessible. It just means it's not spending any energy in order to just sort of, if you want it and you can have it immediately, it's saying, hey, this is cold storage. We will go fetch it for you, but give us a moment we're going to go start up that server that we turned off because we don't need to keep it operating all the time and so that we can turn up that storage and go ahead and see what the, the storage array has, go fetch that file and then bring it to you, but not keeping things on all the time and accessible all the time. So no wonder they're doing really well on the energy uh, impact and should be recognized by the Energy Impact Award. 
Now the environmental impact, of course, is environmentally focused. So we just talked about stack infrastructure, MIA, the one that's uh, the citywide uh, reheat or that heat reuse in Oslo, Norway. Um, so that's one of them where they're they're basically looking at everything holistically, and the entire site, the entire building, is really impressive with what they've been able to do. But alongside them is Iron Mountain Data Centers, and it's across their entire portfolio. They've been aiming to be more environmentally uh, proficient. Uh, I will put it that way, um, and just doing a lot of those things as being good stewards of all their facilities, making sure that what they're building is going to be the the best way that they can do it, and re-examining everything that they're looking at. So good for them. The Edge Cloud Link is another one that, that is a sustainable data center that is touted as being off the grid. So this is not a new approach. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know, it's maybe thought of as innovative, but this is something where a lot of those data center providers will say that they're, say, tier five because they can have their own energy source uh, and they're off the grid for the most part. And this is another one with the Cloud Link, cloud, Edge Cloud Link where they are saying, hey, this is what we're doing, and that is a much better for that environmental impact, and they go ahead and show the numbers to prove it. And the last one in that environmental impact ward is Deep Green, and if you haven't heard of them, they are looking basically at doing low carbon anywhere that they're going, and this means that they are looking at doing heat reuse, and that's with, say, swimming pools or using furnaces and heat recapture or wood kiln drying or whatever that is. They are looking at that as being sort of that, basically that secondary impact of that heat reuse as opposed to necessarily going after uh, some of the other things that, that you might think about for data centers, such as flexibility or scalability. So that's really where they try to partner up as the, the next factor whenever they're looking past reliability and energy efficiency. So they certainly deserve to be part of that category as well. So those are some of the major projects from Data Center Dynamics that deserve recognition in the energy and environmental categories for their awards program. I didn't dive into everything there, but it is on their website at datacenterdynamics.com. The next is with iMasons, the infrastructure masons at iMasons.org. And they have seven different categories for their awards. And among those categories, education, sustainability, and innovation tend to be the ones that uh, uh, you know, looked into the most, along with the luminaries, to figure out who's been doing what and has really changed the data center industry or pushed it forward uh, throughout the last year. First is the education champion of 2023, Christiana Weisson. Congratulations. She's with Scala Data Centers now, but did a long stint with Accenture in Brazil. And from that, with Scala, has been able to start up the One Megawatt of Opportunities program. And it really pulls together a full education and directs a lot of people towards the data center industry, but just helps them overall in a lot of people from diverse backgrounds, opportunities, etc., by giving them the education and training to the young people, those from other communities, less fortunate, and opening those doors to let them be educated and then pursue careers, and not just in the data center sector, but in the IT sector in general for those high quality or highly um, sought after jobs, no matter where they are. Benedict Grandel is the innovation champion for 2023 with iMasons. 
and he's with the company at North in Iceland and they're pretty renowned with just keeping steady on everything that they're doing and increasing their overall performance but it's not just their their performance from the operations side which has been exemplary of course everybody's you know been watching what they've been doing and finally got an award for it um, but it's also proving that that performance also matches with their sustainability and their environmentally friendly way of doing it. So because of that and some of the things that they've implemented, that's why they're getting the Innovation Award, because it doesn't sacrifice anything on the performance or the reliability to do a sustainable green data center. The next is the Sustainability Champion Award of 2023, and that goes to Sven Atle Hageseth with Green Mountain. And if you don't know Green Mountain, it's an excellent company that's been doing a lot of work with just trying to have energy efficient data centers. And you'll find them on our website at the Green Data Center Guide as one of the examples to follow. And Sven has just been leading that. He's been the one, he's the CEO who's been leading the entire company forward with that sustainability aspect in mind. And he's been looking at that saying, how do we make this a better data center, not just efficiency wise or energy wise, but also the complete sustainability. And that's what he's led forward with. And that's driven much of the rest of the industry uh, to go ahead and follow in his footsteps and their footsteps. So congratulations, Fian. And really congratulations to everyone that uh, did win an award with iMasons. Uh, there is the Inclusion Award as well, and there's also the Emerging Talent, and then there is the IM, I think it's the IM100, the uh, Infrastructure Masons Next 100 list, where they take the next 100 people uh, as champions and saying, hey, they've really contributed to the industry in various ways, and um, congratulations to everyone that has earned uh, any one of the awards as well as the IM100 um, past or now and uh, of course I hope everyone listening uh, strives to be one of those 100 or achieve any of those really any of those awards in any manner uh, going forward especially on sustainability energy efficiency any of those fronts and we hope to hear you getting an award soon Thank you once again for listening to the Green Data Center podcast. It really helps if you want to give any feedback to go to the greendatacenterguide.com website uh, and give any feedback that you have. We also trust in your likes and recommendations, and it really helps us with the content moving forward. And of course, a really big thanks to everyone that's contributed throughout the last year uh, from the students and other people who have input or just random questions about the data center industry and of course how do we make our data centers more sustainable and better going into the future. Now this is a special one-time podcast as are many of the other future ones probably so we'll see when the next one comes out but feel free to go ahead and ask for any specific topics or if you'd like to connect here or elsewhere.